Father, we thank you, Father, for this morning. Father, all of your children, we are here in your house this morning to listen from you, O Lord, to hear your voice. Speak to us this morning, O Lord. Convict us, exhort us, transform us. Create new desires in us to please, that we will have the inclination to please you and to obey you. Said in your word, O Father, in Philippians you said, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But it is God who works in you to both to will and to obey and to do your good pleasure. And this this morning I pray, Father, even as the word comes forth, I pray, Father, that you touch each one of us. A fresh, O Lord, a fresh touch from you, O Lord. A fresh exhortation from you, O Lord. A rebuke, a chastisement, encouragement. Whatever it is, whatever we need, wherever we are in, in, in our walk with you, O Lord, that you would meet us in the point of our need. And Lord, that you would keep us on that straight and narrow path. And Lord, enable us to 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 finish this race, O Lord that you have said before, each one of us, a specific race. To that end, we commit ourselves to your kind hands, O Lord, Father, that, Lord, we will not be distracted, Father, that you would give me the unction from above, that you would speak to me, speak through me, and speak to each one of us. Father, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable to your sight, our strength and our redeemer. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, uh, just very briefly, I wanted to um, just give you an overview of uh, what had happened before I go to the meat of a message. And uh, it's been uh, it's our first mission trip I was sent from Grace Tabernacle Church. So uh, it's been a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, one week for me. It's uh, not that I minister to people, but one thing that I've learned so much, and I was minister to and most of the time. And of course, I just want to show you a young man... Uh, a picture which uh, describes his job description, and this is our young man. Uh, excuse me. Oh, just a minute, please. Um, okay. That is Eric Joshua Dayal, Pastor Eric Joshua Dayal. And that is a kid. If you're wondering what it is, that's his job description. He converts kids into lambs and then into sheep. Okay. So that's his job description. He said, Pastor, just take a picture of me, okay? Take a picture and this is exactly what I do. And then he was almost about to take the, take the goat and put it into the trunk. I said, stop there. No, okay. And that is Joshua. Um, young man, absolutely on fire for the Lord. And both of us had like several hours of interaction and it was incredibly awesome. It just edifying one another. It was awesome, awesome, awesome to just be with him. And uh, to see the mission field, uh, uh, wherever. And one of the things I want to tell you, you know, when we as a church send our, our people, you need to understand they're all a part of us. Okay. It's just not one person who's going. And therefore that's the reason why we are exhorted to pray because we are all part of that body. And then even, even as I go there and minister, they're actually a part of us and therefore, uh, keep minister, uh, praying for them. Another place which, where I went was, this is called, uh, Jhargram. Excuse me. Okay, this is Jhargram. That is Sister Desdi for you and, uh, you know, it was absolutely humbling place. In Gospel according to John chapter 4, it says, other people have labored and you have entered into their labors. Other people have labored and you have entered into their labors and I saw the fruit 
of the ministry that God has entrusted into our hands. It's remarkable. It's really, really, it's not. Matthew chapter 5 will say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. But then you come to gospel according to Luke chapter 6 will say, Blessed are ye, ye, you poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. And you'll see incredible Bengali speaking. Brethren, for the first time I was enriched, heard the word in Bengali. I had no idea what they were saying, but it was sounding very beautiful. Okay, that is for Ajira. <laughs> and then we had a three-level translation. I'm sorry, I don't know why this is not working. That is me uh, speaking in English with a KJV Bible. And that is Eric trying to translate the me. And then his brother translating from Hindi into Bengali. Tertiary translation. Absolutely fantastic, phenomenal. You'll never see these things in the mission. First time I've seen that and awesome. And then I just wanted to show you a small clip here. Um, this is brother Nalanda. And can you just give me a mic if you don't mind? Um, I just wanted to show you the place where they worship. Just wanted to see that. Okay. Just see that place where they worship. Okay. I, I hope. Okay, this is this is Bengali worship, and this is Pastor Nalanda, who was mentored by Pastor Vijay James. You want to see the place where they worship? All of us sitting on the floor. I want to just see that young lady over there, please, for a minute, for all the parents. Uh, who are scared and paranoid about your about your children? That's of course. That's a, that's the place where they worship. Awesome, huh? Paranoid. No, so we are so concerned about what will happen to our children when they go to the mission field. And this young lady, she's six and a half, seven years old. She started with us at six o'clock in the morning, all the way to seven in the evening. I never heard her complain even one, once. Once. Boy, I mean, I was, I looked at that and I learned. It was a learning trip for me. It was not ministering, it was being ministered to. And we are like, you know, uh, Eric says, Pastor, we are so protective about our children. Let them go into the mission field. Let them see what their parents are doing. Let them see, let them see what it is to actually serve the Lord in difficult places. And let them see the joy on our faces that it is incredibly on, an honor and a privilege to serve God. And we are, we are like, we want to, Camouflage them, cover them. Boy, you know, this is, these people are sold out to God, okay? And then, then this is, of course, Joshua's residence and come, uh, place of worship. That's, uh, uh, the place where they worship. Uh, that is Jamshedpur venue. And he is the worship leader, come prayer leader, come preaching pastor, come evangelist, come Bible study leader come, etc., etc., etc. One dynamo. Okay. Uh, there's one t- one word which we learned in English when I was preparing for GRE. I never used it in my life. It's called indefatigable. I don't know if you know if, uh, know that word, indefatigable. A guy who can never be tired. And this is one guy who's always, Pastor, I'm coming. Next day, I'm coming. Next day, I'm coming. Next day, I'm coming. I said, boy, at this rate, you'll burn out. But he's absolutely fired up for the Lord. Therefore, you know, I was really encouraged. Another place, we, on the way to uh, Jamshedpur, uh, 
it was like uh, uh, 18, almost like 36 hours, uh, but of course 18 hours of travel, 18 to 20 hours of travel, and we continuously drove for about 12 hours, and we wanted to reach before um, daybreak, so before the before nightfall, we wanted to reach Amshitpur. And the car gives way at a Naxalite area at around 6 o'clock in the, ni- in the night. And then they had stuff in the car and Joshua says, don't take the things out of the car. Okay, just, just take the stepney out, interchange. Quickly we did it in half an hour, finished the whole thing. We went back and then Sister Anjana was traveling along with us. She was coming by train. We were uh, we were traveling by road. And when we went, once we reached Jamshedpur, she said, at 6.30 you guys were okay. I said, no, we had a flat tire. The Lord asked me to pray for you guys at 6.30, right in the train. And she called us at that time. So it was really a phenomenal, surreal moments for me. And then, of course, uh, this is where, uh, uh, this is what we call as Kharagpur. Okay. Kharagpur, now I learned, is famous for three things. One is uh, IIT Kharagpur. Second is the platform. And third thing, wherever you find IIT, you find Telugu people. So... <laughs> <laughs> so, so IIT Kharagpur and a huge number of Gultis. Generations settled down there. They didn't want to leave that place. Ha, IIT. If I can't get into it, at least let me admire it from outside. <laughs> so, and then the irony of it all was I was speaking in Telugu and this translate, this pastor was translating into Hindi. It's remarkable. God is good. Awesome, and I, so I had I had a real, real incredible learning experience. I'm going to write some some article, maybe, just just to share with you what it is, what a joy it is to serve the Lord, and 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 what a privilege it is actually, an honor to just be a minister of God's word. I don't think you can compare anything with that. It's Really, really a high calling. I remember Pastor James telling me once when I was really, really struggling with whether to get into full-time ministry and he called me, Vijay, he said, come here, come here, I want to say something. He said, you know what, God is calling for higher, you to hire things. I was thinking in my mind, I thought professor was the highest. What are you talking about? Being a servant of God, I don't think there is any other higher calling than that. It demands everything from you. You cannot afford to get sick on the mission field. Because there are souls which are at stake. You, I mean, you really, really need to be fit for the Lord. You need to have a word in season because there's no, no amount of preparation will actually prepare you for that moment. It has to be that one, once, uh, that, that constant connection with the Lord so that when He opens your mouth, He will actually, you will utter His voice. You will literally be His his vessel. I mean, that is remarkable to be absolutely dependent upon God because a lot of, I hardly know these guys. You know them, Lord, and you know exactly what they need. And that was something which, you know, which I learned. And you, you need to understand, you know, if we always tell people, don't study before the exam. Study days before the exam and be prepared. Because that day, you don't know. The Lord has to draw from deep down inside the reservoirs of the word of God so that you'll be able to give to them. Those times when you studied the word, probably you never thought, okay, why? I mean, how is this relevant into my life? It may not be relevant to you, but it'll be relevant to somebody else. And that day, God will just draw from those reservoirs. The time that you spent, never take those things for granted. 
And I also listened to Wednesday message and I was like, wow, fired up. I was like, wow, this is exactly what I was thinking. This is exactly, not I'm not talking about last Sunday's message. I was talking about the Wednesday message. I was like, this is what are we doing for the Lord? It's a question that I need to ask. And I was listening to it. I said, boy, this is it. This is what my convictions are after I went into the mission field. This is it. What have I done for the Lord? What am I doing for the Lord? See? Question. So, just want to title this message today is, how will you go back home today? Is this a strong? Yeah. I wanted to show you something. Lesson number one I learned. Okay? Just a small clip. Can you hear the sound? Okay. That's a hog. A pig being taken for slaughter. Look at that fellow. He will not give up easily. He doesn't want to go. Ah, see. See that? And when that was in Jamshedpur in one of the brothers' place who has a pig farm. Joshua and I looked at each other and said, good sermon illustration. The moment I saw that, no, I mean, we have this idea about pigs. Oh, they wallow in the mire because they love the, love that kichard. I remember Pastor Sundakrishnan giving this example of this, of this pig, which was uh, in Delhi during the monsoon rain, you know, the, the kichard is there all, the, all over. And then he saw in that kichard, one pig enjoying itself, you know, rolling. It was a, it was a disgusting sight to look at. Alright. And then, and then suddenly he realized, what, a, what kind of an animal is this? And suddenly, even as the pig got up, it's, he also saw a few piglets sucking from the mother. Then it understood. The piglet was born like that. And that is the reason why it enjoys the mire. How you contrast that? You know, it's a stubborn animal, you see. It doesn't want to give up. It doesn't want to go to the slaughter. How do you contrast that with Jesus? Does it teach you? Um, Of course it does. If you turn to Isaiah 53, verses 7 to 8, it says, He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that is, that before it's, uh, that before it's shearers are silent. So he opened not his mouth. That's a sheep for you. That's a lamb. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who shall consider, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. This is Jesus. This was the lamb of God, absolutely submissive to his heavenly father's will. Never fighting. Lord, you want me, you want me to die? Lord, I'm going. Should I not drink this cup that the Lord has prepared for me, that my father has prepared for me? He's not going to fight. He's not going to, he's going to not, he's not going to resist that even though inside of his flesh there is a war that is going on. The, 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 the his will will say, I don't want this, Lord. But not my will, not my will, Lord. Let your will, your will be done. And we're all like that. There's a, there's a nature inside of us which is constantly warring against the word that we receive. 
Okay, we hear the word, but when it comes to the point of obeying, boy, there is there is a gap, and we need to cross. Sometimes, sometimes that gap is huge because there's so many things in our mind, conflicting ideas, opinions, presuppositions, fear, fear, fears, fears. What happen nature so many times that will not so easily give in. And therefore, Jesus says in Luke's Gospel, chapter six, verse forty-six to forty-nine, He says, "What do you call me, Lord, Lord?" And not do what I tell you. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them. You see that? Does them. Look at, look at what we, we, we pastor was praying. I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep. You see? Who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And I'm seeing, I have seen also during the vision trip, I saw so many people with shallow relationship with the Lord. So much at the superficial, emotional level. No depth in their understanding. So easily carried away. They have not dug deep. And I'm telling you something, my dear brothers and sisters, if you want to be a disciple, you cannot be at the shallow waters. You cannot be. Because shallow waters, you'll have so many people listening to the word of God. According to, according to Luke's gospel chapter 5, you have Jesus preaching from the shallow waters and you have crowds listening to his word. And you know what he says? Simon Peter, let's go into the deep. There he catches fish. You want to make disciples? You need to go to the deep. You know why? Because when you go to the deep, Simon Peter will say, Lord, depart from me because I'm a man of sin. You know what happens? Your own depth of your own sin will be revealed. When you go into the deep. Otherwise, it's all at the superficial level. It's there at the... And and there's no conviction in your own heart. And it's not dug deep. And you see that. There's no people digging deep and, and trying to ask God, Lord, where am I going wrong? What are the... What are the counter arguments that are coming into my mind when I'm supposed to obey your word? And when the flood arose, you see that? Stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Deep foundations. Deep. And I'm telling, I believe God is challenging all of us at some level or the other. Dig deep. Dig deep. I mean, Eric says a beautiful thing when he, when he, he says, Pastor, I see all these people. I, 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 let me tell you something, Pastor. There's no time. We literally, let, like in the days of Nehemiah, where we have to build with one hand and we have to have the sword on the other. Build with one hand and sword. In other words, we are fighting and we are also building. We are fighting and we are also building. And I'm telling you, that is possibly the best way to learn about yourself and about God is to fight and build simultaneously. Most of the times we are, you know, we are put in a a protective environment and we are spoiled with the word. And say, okay, fine, dig deep, prepare yourself, dig deep, prepare yourself. But when the day of battle comes, we don't have strength. Because we have not practiced the word of God in little, little things in our lives. And opportunities are always there. See? But the one who hears and does not do, you see that? He's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Can you imagine a guy building without a foundation? When the stream broke against it, immediately, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. It's interesting that Pastor was talking about the same verse which I was also meditating upon in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 32, 30 onwards. It says, as for you, son of man, your people 
who talked together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses, say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear the word that comes from the Lord. Boy, this pulpit is anointed. You, you need to hear the word, brother. Come, come and hear. Come hear the word. Come and hear what the, what the, what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they come to you as people come. And they sit before you as my people. Oh, you know, in classes also, a lot of people will come and listen to your word. Sir, I understood. Everything. And you know exactly that that girl and that guy is not even listening to you. Oh, sir. Yes, sir. And when you ask a question, you know, right? I mean, there are in a tangential plane altogether. I mean, sorry, I need to use my words because those guys say, Pastor, please use simple words. I'm not finding it difficult to con- translate into Hindi. Okay, okay, fine. It's interesting, right? Brother Xavier, who is one of our elders in GDC Jamshadpur, is a fourth generation Gulti guy. Yes, we are there. Okay. So it's only not the Malus, but we are also there. So... <laughs> <laughs> okay, they speak in flawless Telugu and I was like, wow, this is good. This is music to my ears. And irony of it all is that I had to go to a Hindi speaking land to preach in Telugu. Thank God for my Telugu. <laughs> yeah. And they come to you as a people come and they sit before you as my people and they hear what you say, but they do not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act. Their heart is set on unjust gain. You see, that is what KJ will say. Their heart is set on unjust gain. And what happens to your words in in your mouth? He says, and behold, you are to them like the one who sings lustful songs. That is ESV. With a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear what you say. Baba. But when it comes to doing it, oh, there is conflict in their hearts. The moment the children of Israel brought out of Egypt into the promised land and God gave them a word, there's a conflict. We want to negotiate with the word, Lord. Can we negotiate? Can we do something? Can we just cut corners? Manna, every day in the morning. Come early in the morning because it will come like dew. Okay? You have only a specific period of time before the sun rises. Otherwise, it will evaporate. Those fellows, what will people do? They will not come on time. Negotiating. Don't take too much. Don't keep it overnight. Only for today. Negotiate. Tomorrow also will keep. What will happen? It will stink. On Saturday I will give you two, twice provision. Don't go on Sunday and, and, uh, and collect money. What will happen? They will go on Sunday morning. Always trying to negotiate. They don't want to completely obey the Lord. They don't want to. See? And he says, talking about the new covenant, in the writer of Hebrews will say in Hebrews chapter 2, this is what he has to say. He says, therefore we must, brothers, look at this, we must pay much closer attention to what you have heard. Brother and sister, we have heard incredible amounts of truth in this church. For about several years. Incredible. You have no clue what we have heard. I mean, you just go to them and teach them simple, simple things. They will say, oh boy, we never heard this before. We are spoiled. 
You know what, what, had, what had happened? We don't keep that fresh in our hearts, but the truth that we have learned so many years back has begun to stink in our lives because we don't use it. You know what he says? He says, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. And drifting, you know, is a very slow process. Nobody even knows if they're drifting. It's a slow thing. Wave after wave after wave. And you're on the, on the, on the beach, on that raft, without the anchor, enjoying the breeze, enjoying the tide, enjoying the rocky motion. You're rocking and rocking and rocking. And slowly you've gone, you've been taken away into the deep waters and you don't even know that you've drifted away. And you know what he says? He says, for since the message, this is talking about the new old covenant declared by angels. This was declared by angels and the way it was declared, boy, it was one sanata. In, in Telugu it's called arbhatam. Oh, full angels, pam, 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 and sound and fury and thunder and what have you. And they looked at it and said, Baba, let not the Lord speak to us, Moses, please. You, you speak, you speak, you speak. And then, what he says, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, that means it was not negotiable. Not even a bit was negotiable. You absolutely have to obey 100%. And even if you have disobeyed, you do not have a guilt offering except for sins of ignorance. Do you know that? You read the book of Leviticus. You read the book of Leviticus. There is no guilt offering for willful sin. But only for ignorant sin. That's powerful. For ignorance sin, yes. It's remarkable that when a rabbi is asked this question, boy, you don't have a day of atonement, do you? You don't have a high priest. You don't have a guy who's going into the most holy place and making atonement for your sins. Can you tell me, brother? Can you tell me how are your sins being atoned for? Do you have a clear conscience with with God? Because the book of Leviticus will say, without remission of sins, without uh, without shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. What do you have to say? You know what the rabbi will say to the Christian? Brother, you know, all the guilt offering was for ignorant sin. And you know what? David sent his arms. Sin offering and burnt offering you did not desire. What do you have to say to that brother? What do you have to say? Because they do not understand what the concept of sin is. Every transgression and disobedience was rewarded. How shall we neglect, escape? If he neglects such great a salvation, it was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard. Well, God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to us. You see, this is something we need to understand. If the old covenant was non-negotiable, how much more the new covenant? That is the reason why he said, these days of ignorance God has winked at. Acts chapter 17 verse 30. But now he asks everybody at every place to repent. Why? Again in Hebrews chapter 10 it will say, If you now go on sinning willfully, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. The 
this. One of the things that I realized in my own personal walk with the Lord, there is a lot of negotiation. Lord, should I be exact with you? <laughs> should I be exact, Lord? Are you an exact God? Are you not an ex- approximate God? Be holy for I am holy. Chalega kya? Walk thou before me and be perfect. Are you sure, Lord, you want me to be absolutely perfect? Can we just negotiate, Lord? Can we just negotiate? It's impossible. Because there's always arguments in our heart. Not to be. John's Gospel 15 verse 22 is a powerful verse. Just mark, just you can mark it in your own Bible. Look at what he says. Jesus has, this is Jesus' own words, okay? This is Jesus' words. Look at what he says. <clears throat> if I had not come and spoken to them, if I have not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of. But now they have no excuse. Oh my God. Shoo. In other words, another translation will say, KJV, this is beautiful. This is, he says, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. James chapter 4 verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So, so, so the question we need to ask ourselves is this, is this, no? One of the things that we always have, you're prejudiced people sometimes, no? When we come to church, you know? Oh, okay, so Prasad, the message was very convicting. We also have our grace tabernacle jargon. Horrible, oh, Pastor, was a really, really convicting message, Pastor. Which part? Which part specifically touched you? No, the question we are, Francis Chan will ask this question. He says, which is better? To listen to a truth of the word of God, absolutely undiluted truth of the word of God, and not obeying it, or not listening to the truth at all. You see? Which is, which is better? The reason why I'm, why I'm telling you is this, that today's day and age, Matthew, Henry and all, when they wrote commentaries, boy, they studied the word of God like crazy. Now, we don't have to really study them so much. You go to the internet, you have expository teaching on this and on that and on this and on that, verse by verse teaching, line by line teaching, precept upon precept teaching, all kinds of teaching everywhere. And we are the generation, we are absolutely bombarded, if you will, with the truth. If you want truth, it's there right at the click of the button. Now tell me, which is better? To have the truth, hear the truth, and not obey it, or not having truth at all. That's what Jesus is saying. If you had, if I have come and not spoken to you, then you wouldn't have been guilty of sin. But now that I've spoken to you, you're guilty if you don't obey. So I just wanted to categorize unbelievers today. Now, because most of us, one of the primary sins we struggle with at different levels is a sin of unbelief, primarily. 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 This is, can God really do this? Or maybe he, he could have done that for Moses maybe or maybe Apostle Paul maybe or some other worshiper or some other man of God. But can he do that for me? I don't know. And we struggle with unbelief at different levels. Believers struggle with unbelief. That's the irony of it all. And we don't have conviction when we go and minister to people. We, have, we already have 
will he will he accept me will he will he despise me will he will i be able to convince him <laughs> you know what you don't have to convince anybody of truth you just have to burn with the truth and people will look at you and say boy this is truth because that's exactly what psalmist will say many will see and hear and fear and put their trust in him you know why they will see you they will see that conviction in your life they will see that this guy boy he is absolutely on fire for god and this god must be true whatever it is Whatever counter arguments I may be having, but this is real man. This is reality. I just wanted to look at four categories of unbelievers inside the church. And we'll just examine ourselves today from one of the very interesting passages in Gospel According to John, chapter 7, verse 40 onwards, 40 to 53. Let's read it. <coughs> when they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. Immediately counter argument. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? You see that? Moving on. We'll just read this passage. So there was a division among people over him. And let me tell you something. Every time you hear the word, there's division. There is division, brothers. You cannot listen to the word of God and be neutral. No, it's not possible. I've recognized time and again over my life. You cannot listen to it and not act upon it. You need to make a decision. There should be convictions that are, that are, that are being birthed in your heart. And that is the reason why Jesus says, don't think that I've come to give you peace. No, 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 no. I've come to bring division and I've come to bring a sword and want to separate people in the same house. And man's enemies will be of those of this own house. People in your own house, when they hear the word of God, there will be a division. And every time, even in the church, when you hear the word, there is a division that is going on. And I hope, hopefully, we are all on the true side of the division and not on the false side. Because it's impossible to hear the word of God and be neutral. It is impossible. Because God's word himself says in Isaiah 55, he says, my word will not go Come back void. It will accomplish its purpose. Whatever it is. If it has to harden somebody's heart, it will harden. If it has to soften somebody's heart, it will soften. It's my, my word is living. It is not going to have any, any neutral gray area, absolutely black and white. Either you're for God or you're against God. All the time. And then, and then you cannot have any counter argument. You need to really, really set that in your own heart for, for good. Once and for all. So there is division. And you'll see, every time Jesus spoke in the gospel according to John particularly, you see, there was conflict. There was division. They hear the word, they get frustrated. Why did I even hear this? It would have been better if I hadn't hear. That's exactly what happened, right? Remember? John's gospel chapter 9. The guy comes. Uh, Lord, is this guy blind? Because he sinned? Or his parents have sinned? You know what Jesus says? Neither has he sinned, nor his parents have sinned. Now you will say, Lord, does not the Bible say all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? But until you read the end of the chapter, after the entire discourse is over, the Pharisees are frustrated and they say, are you saying that we are blind also? You see, you see that they're all convicted, no? And you cannot remain neutral. What is going on? Are you saying that we are blind? You know what Jesus says? If you would have said that you are blind, 
then you wouldn't have had any sin. But now that you say that you see, your sin, sin remains in you. I said, boy, <laughs> Lord, I don't see. <laughs> Open my eyes. I don't see myself, Lord. See, there's a division that is going on. Every time there's a discourse, there's a division. There's a discourse, there's a division. People want to believe, people don't want to believe. They want to follow him and you'll see that conflict that is going on. And you can see that conflict in our own hearts if you study scripture carefully and analyze scripture in the light of our own heart. Rather, the other way. Analyze our heart in the light of scripture. Some of them wanted to arrest him. You see that? Nobody is neutral, you see? But no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? And they're all days. No, no man spoke like that man. You see? You can't remain neutral. You have to make a decision there. And then what happens? Pharisees answered, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the, or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Oh boy. Nicodemus will come and say, Nicodemus who had gone to him before, this is ESV, this is the KJV will say, who has gone to him before in the night. Nicodemus is a nighttime believer. We'll, under, we'll try to understand what that is. Who was one of them? Said to him, does our Lord judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning that he does, what he does? Then they replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Back. Blunder. They don't know the scripture. You see? That's exactly the reason why Jesus says, Baba, you search the scriptures, you think that you have eternal life in it. You search the scriptures, you think that you have eternal life in it, and all those scriptures will lead to me, but you'll not come to me. You know why? Because you seek the honor of men. I don't want the honor of men. How can you believe me who seek honor from one another, but does not seek the honor that comes from God only? How can you believe? That's exactly, we, we, are, we are like that. Pastor, what do you think about me, Pastor? Brother, what do you think about me, brother? Wife, what do you think about me? Friend, what do you think? 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 From everybody except God. You see, you ask God, Lord, what do you think about me? And you'll get answers. And that will scare you. One brother was there with us for a while. He said, teach me the Bible, brother. Please teach me the Bible. I said, okay, fine. Let's start with John's gospel. Few words, few verses. Did a little bit of expository teaching. He said, please shut it. I'm getting scared. Please shut it. Don't, don't speak more. Give me a breather. You see? You ask God. Lord, what do you think about me, Lord? And that is going to be... So can you see, God is not like a, a tyrant and said, this is what you are, foolish fellow. No, he's not going to say that. He'll say good things first about you. But he'll also say, you lost your first love. He'll say, okay, does our Lord judge? And then, verse 53, they all went each to his own house. Discussion over, nobody changed. They all went home. But where did Jesus go? Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Don't let the chapter divisions fool you. Everybody went to their own house. 
Jesus went to God. Always you have an option. You hear the word, go to God, or go to your old way of life. There's no neutral ground. So I want to just look at four unbelievers today. Four classified unbelievers. First category, I call them the convinced unbeliever. <laughs> he's convinced, but he's an unbeliever. <laughs> oh, he's convinced all arguments are fantastic and fine. Boy, you don't need any more logical proof that this is Jesus is the Messiah. It's QED, if you will. When they heard these words, some of people said, this really is the prophet. Boy. Others said, this is Christ. They said, this is the prophet. Who is the prophet? Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15 onwards, he says, I will raise from you among your brethren a prophet just like me, and I will put my words in his mouth, and you should be accountable for every word that you hear from him. That's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15 onwards. You will be accountable for every word that you hear from him. This is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David? Comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? Who is this convinced unbeliever? He hears the word, but he believes. But his belief will not lead him to obedience. He understands this is Jesus, this is Christ, but no obedience. He will not take any mother, any other further step toward God. He's convinced about every argument. He knows that this is what God requires from him, but no, no, no. I only believe. I only believe. I only believe. Really? James chapter 8, 2, verse 18 to 23. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? Fantastic. Your theology is perfect. Exactly what Satan believes. The fact of the matter is, the demons believe and they also shudder. But when you come to church, there is no reverence for God. That follows better than you. You see that? You don't have reverence for God. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? When he offered up his son Isaac on the altar, meaning there are so many areas you want to surrender, but you don't want to surrender at the same time. There is a, I want to hold this close to me, Lord. You are asking too much from me. No, 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 no. This is too much. I'm convinced that you are the Messiah, but Lord, I can't follow this up. Baptism? No, no, Lord. No, no. Baptism too much, Lord. No, no, no. No, 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 please, please, don't ask me. It was amazing that after I got saved in, uh, when I was 18 years old, five years of incubation period before I was baptized. It's called incubation. Where you're put under that sunlight and oxygen and everything, you're shivering because one small test, you're dead. Five years, five years, nobody taught about separation, nobody. Nobody did that. They said, oh, oh, don't get baptized. No, 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 no. Don't get baptized. It's too much. It's too scary. The devil will be after you. Which is true, actually. Baptism is a big decision, brother. 
I mean, some people get baptized just because they want six feet under and a certificate for getting married. Jesus is not talking about that. Because I know one pastor who said, I'm not going to marry you unless you get your baptism certificate. So, pastor, I don't know. Long time pastor. No, no, no. You get your baptism certificate and then only we'll talk about marriage. Fine. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about obedience. Simple acts of obedience. They will not do it. They're convinced, but they still are unbelievers. They're convinced unbelievers. They know what it is. This is Christ. This is exactly what he's talking about. This is a prophet. But they will not follow it up. Place. Another place in John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 28. Look at this. This is a woman who says, you are the prophet, you are the Messiah. Both. She says both. And you know what she does? Look at what she says. John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 28 onwards. So the woman left her water jar. Went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Oh boy. This is true repentance. This is true salvation. You go to North India, the first time I heard the word repentance in a different language. You know what it means? What? How many of you know the word, not for the people who heard me already, choose your Bible study, no. Okay. What is repentance in Hindi? Paschataf. Wrong, wrong. That's what I thought. It is not paschatap. You know what the original word in Greek is? Metanoia. We are not paranoia. We are metanoia. You know what metanoia means? Change of mind. Change of purpose. Change of destiny. Change of all kinds of things in your mind. You know what exactly the word for repent in Hindi is? Manfirao. That is repent? Yeah, exactly. Man firao. That means you're going in this direction. Man is taking you in this direction. Tumara man kya karo. So your man is taking you like this. Suddenly Jesus will give you the gospel. You know what you do? You stop and firao your man. 180 degrees. That is what it is in Hindi. In Telugu it is maru manasu. Change your mind. The way you think, the thoughts that you have. That's exactly the reason why Jesus says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are here. Your thoughts are here. Every time you manfira. I said, boy, this is true. This is exactly what repentance is. If we get it, what what exactly? We have this terminology called repent and we all have legal repentance. Lord, I'm so sorry, Lord. Sorry, Lord. Sorry, Lord. I confess, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. There is no manfira. Only legal repentance. This is what it is. He says, you know what? You know what? Do you know this Messiah? He told me exactly what I did. I had five husbands. Six guys I'm living with. He told me exactly what I went through. Is this not the prophet? Is, not, is this not the Christ? And she runs and she evangelizes. How many of us were excited about, about the gospel? When it was first came into our hearts, we were absolutely fired up. And they said, this is what the Lord has done for me. This is what he did. We're not scared. We're not timid. I remember the first time when I came back home, when I had Manfirao experience for the first time. I came back home. First thing I did, took the broomstick, started cleaning my home. My parents looked at me. Vijay with the broom. Manfirao. What happened? Manfirao. <laughs> See, just absolutely his mind has changed. And then I go to school. I'm a college that those 
was college, 18 years, okay, college. And my friends look at me and he said, Richard, there's something different about you, man. There is something different. Your face is glowing. What has, what has happened? There is manfira. You know why? Because I met the Messiah. There's something. Your countenance will change. My dear brothers and sisters, one of the things that you need to realize, you can hide a lot of things with your talk, but you can never change, hide your countenance. You can never do that. You can never. It's a giveaway. <laughs> That's exactly what Jesus, Jesus will come and ask Cain, Cain, why is your face downcast? No, 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 no. I'm rejoicing. Please, hallelujah. No, no, I see that in your face. I see it in your face. And this woman, she runs and says, you know what? Lord, he, he told me everything about my life. Everything. I don't have to be ashamed. He is not the Messiah. Then what happened? Many Samaritans from that town believed on him because of the woman's testimony. You see, there's an action already after the confrontation with the Messiah. There's so many other scholars who have counter arguments, but this woman will say, you know what? Listen to me, guys. I don't know much about worship. I don't know about truth. But this guy says something. He's something different. He's totally different. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. And you know what happened? When the Samaritans (coughs) came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Boy, the Jews, that is the disciples, who wanted to fire fire to come down from heaven. They're all stunned. How come Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan? Oh, they have accepted. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, but we now see with our own eyes. He also has become a disciple, discipler. So many convinced unbelievers in the church of Jesus Christ who will not follow up. They're so timid. They're so timid to say, Lord, I'm going to work for the Lord. You know, the fact of the matter is, shepherds are an abomination to this world. Anything that you do for the kingdom of God, the world will hate it because you'll stand as a witness against them. And that is the reason why even Jesus' own brothers, they will say, You want other people to know. You want your disciples to believe in you. Nobody who wants to be known by the world will do things in secret. Nobody does it, brother. Go and show yourself. Jesus says, your time is already there. My time has not yet come. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I convince them that their works are evil. I convince them. Question. Does your life convict people? Does your life convict people? The decisions that you take, does it convict people? Your disposition, does it convict people? Your talk, does it convict people? When you when you talk with one another, is there mutual edification in the body of Christ? Does it convict? Does it burn you? When another brother is encouraged, you get burned, you get fired up. Or do you just put cold water on other fumes? Don't get too excited about all this, please. I was telling the church in Jamshedpur, I said, you know what, guys, stay fired up. Not get fired up, you guys are already fired up. Boy, I see the fire in you, boy, you're just fired up. But I said, you know what, you guys have to stay fired up, you know why? Because the fire that has come into your life is not started by you, it is started by God. Do you know the law of the burnt offering? Do you know it? 
the law of the burnt offering is that the burnt offering has to continuously burn. But who starts the fire? The fire came down from heaven in Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 25. The fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering. And the very next chapter, Nadab and Abihu take strange fire and the Lord consumes them. And he says, you know what? Guard that fire. What happened on the day of Pentecost? Oh, the Holy Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind and their tongues were all fired up at cloven fire. It was absolutely started by God. But you need to guard that fire because you know what happens? Your fire has a dual characteristic. It will go out of proportion. You need to control it. You need to regulate it. The Lord has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control, self-discipline. Control that fire. Don't let it die down. So what, how do you not let it die down? Die down. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 11. Can one stay warm alone? No, 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 no. When two come together, they get fired up. Stay together and burn together. Fire each other up. Convict, sorry, convict each other's life. Convict each other's life. Convict. I just speak to some, some brothers. They just have a conversation. When I hear the conversation, I get convicted. You know why? Because that conversation is absolutely a fired up conversation. They're, they're, they're just iron sharpening iron. 27-17 Proverbs 27-17. They're just firing each other up. They're saying, you know what brother? This is what the Lord spoke to me. This is what the Lord spoke to me. And they're just literally edifying one another and staying fired up. And every time you come to the body of Christ, whenever you hear a message, one of the things you need to let, Lord, let this fire not burn down. Because you know, when Jesus was walking on the way to Emmaus, he, they started opening the scriptures. And you know what the disciples had to say? Did not our hearts burn within us when he was opening the scriptures to us? Does your life convict people? Does your life convict people? Or do you just, are one lukewarm brother, you know, just going with the flow? Happy to hear good messages. Happy. Oh boy, we come to Grace Tabernacle and we hear fired up messages. But is our life a contradiction? We are convinced unbelievers. John's Gospel 8 verse 30, he says, and he was saying these things. Many believed in him. They all started believing. But you know what happened? The moment he started believing, Jesus said, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You know what the argument is? We are Abraham's children. We are Abraham. You know what my, my father is? We are Methodist. We are Pentecostal. We are Baptist. We are Papist. But, are you a slave? No, 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 we are Lutheran. Do you know the Reformation? What is Reformation? Do you know John Wesley? Who is John Wesley? But you are Methodist. You are Lutheran. Jesus answered and said, you know what? Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is a servant of sin. You can be Methodist Pentecostal, Baptist, but you're all Papist. If you're a slave to sin. We are Abraham's. We are Abraham's children. <laughs> he just laugh at you. 
There's no manfirah in your life. You're slaves. You're slaves to sin. Slaves to sin. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. But that is not going to come easily. You need to acknowledge and say, Lord, really Lord, this is what my life is all about. Don't hide from him. That is a convinced unbeliever. Any convinced unbeliever is here in the house of God. <laughs> I mean, this is not to condemn anybody. This is just to exhort each other. To really get fired up for Lord. Boy, Lord, I just want to be... Lord, I just want you to deal with my life. I know, Father, it is, I just have got one life. The 35th birthday, I was reading utmost for highest. Before I went to utmost for my highest, I started reading Psalm 90. 35th birthday. Psalm 90, you know what the Bible says? Man's life, three score. Three score meaning 60 years. If by reason of pumping iron, 70 years. And I looked at myself and said, what a day to read this verse. You know, I studied chemistry, you know, Lord. I said, half life over, Lord. 35 gone. I don't know how many how many years I have left with me you know, anymore. I don't know what Francis Chandler says. It's a powerful statement. He says he takes a long rope, huge rope, about at least like a twenty meter rope. In the end of the rope, he puts a ten centimeter red tape. And you know what he says? He looks at the rock rope. He says that is imagine that is thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And he shows a small ten centimeter tape at the edge of the rope, and he'll say, you know what? This is your life, eighty years. And you know what you do? For 60 years of your life, you work hard so that your next 20 years are safe. And he looks at you and says, stupid fellows. You want to spend 60 years of your life so that you're secure for the next 20 years? You don't even know if you're going to drop dead before 60 is over. And he says, you know what the smart thing to do? If God has given me 80 years, let me spend all the 80 years so that I can spend the rest of eternity with him. Thousand years, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years with him. We're all being sold a bag of lies. And we have just gobbled it up. Security. Illusion called security. I used to look at my dad's paycheck those days, you know, he was very transparent. He said, this is what I get. This is TA. Those days no TA. Dad was, office was here, so TA zero. HRA. House rent elements. No HRA because you are living in the quarters. DA, dearness elements. TA, HRA, DA. What is dearness elements? Ah, that is based upon the city that you live in. Just to ensure that the inflation will not gobble you up. I said, oh. And then one scribe runs after Jesus. Just fresh from Bible college. Jesus, I want to be your disciple. Foxes have holes, no HRA. Birds of the air have nests, no tribal elements. Son of man has no place to lay, lay his head, no dearness elements. Will you start coming and follow me? Boy, think about it, no? Think about it. Think about just one. You have just one life. One life. I heard that message on on Friday when I was on Wednesday. Pastor was saying, "What do you have? You have time on your hands. 
They have not, that, that people in that, in that refugee camp didn't have anything. They had time on their hands and they said, Lord, this time I'm going to use for your glory and for, I'm going to intercede for your church. And everything changed in their life. They had time, they had time on their lives. They had time, time in your hands. Time, time in your hands, brothers and sisters. You young brothers and sisters. You young brothers. Oh, you young brothers are looking at me. I'm telling you, if you are not going to live for God, you're going to waste your life. You will waste it. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are. You are going to waste it. Let me tell you with all conviction. You'll just waste it. And then one day you'll say, how I hated the instruction of my teachers and my elders and my brothers and sisters. You'd have, you'd have just wasted it. Don't be a convinced unbeliever. Don't be a convinced unbeliever, brothers. Then there is another kind of unbeliever, the spineless unbeliever. Spineless. So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers said, Nobody spoke like this fellow. Nobody spoke like this man that is anthropos in Greek. What does it mean? No mere man has ever spoken like this man. That's what it means. No mere man has ever spoken like this man. You know what it means? Boy, I thought you, I mean, when you read that, you'll think this guys are convicted now. They're going to change. Oh, they're going to change. But let me tell you, these guys have no backbone of truth in their own lives. They're spineless. They're easily swayed. They want to come and confront Jesus. Uh, uh, that is true. Run away. What happened? Oh, nobody spoke like this man. He's speaking the truth. Okay, will he change? No, 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 no. We'll not change. If people send us the next time, we will still go. John's Gospel chapter 18 verse 3. Look at the same set of people. Same set of people. This is powerful. Look at what it says. John's Gospel chapter 18 verse 3 onwards. So Judas, having procured soldiers, some officers, same set of believers again, from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. This time they are much well prepared. Okay? Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? <laughs> this is not... No man spoke like, Whom do you seek, guys? What do you want? Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. Judas also was with him. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they all fell on the ground. Boom. Same set of fellows. All. But did it change their lives? Not even a single bit. They will get up. They'll get their ears chopped off. They'll get healed. They'll still arrest Jesus. Oh boy. What a contradiction that is. They will chop off. I mean, Kefa takes his knife and chops off the ear and just... Come on, Peter. Am I not supposed to drink this? Come on, get healed, brother. Oh, you heal me? Come on, let me arrest you now. Let me arrest you. Spineless believers. They don't have any conviction of truth in their own hearts. They get easily sweared by any wind of doctrine. Easily. 
Spineless. Do we have convictions, strong convictions in our own heart today, this morning? Do you have conviction about truth in your own heart? Where you are absolutely uncompromising, there are areas in your life, Satan can't touch, nobody can buy you in that area. You've already been absolutely established on the foundation of truth and no amount of persuasion can change you. Absolutely unmovable, unrebukable in that in the areas in your life. Are you? Do you have convictions? Strong convictions? Strong. Or you're easily swayed. Oh, you're convicted by the truth, but you cannot take stand. Next unbeliever is a religious unbeliever. The Pharisees answered, have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or Pharisees believed on him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Boy, I mean, look at the arrogance and the prejudice. You need to, you know, you you just go on a mission trip with Eric Joshua, things will change, perspectives will change. Okay? I'm not trying to flatter him, but he's not there, I can tell this. Karakpur, they wanted to introduce me. He was supposed to be the guy who's going to lead the devotion. And he has to introduce me as a speaker. So he, this is how he introduces, okay? <laughs> Sink, interesting introduction. I never heard that kind of introduction. I said, boy, this is how I want people to introduce me next time. He says, turn to Mark 4.24. Be very careful as to how you hear. Okay? Turn to Luke 8.18. Be very careful as to what you hear. Pastor Vijay has done his PhD in robotics. Just because he's done his PhD in robotics, don't accept his truth. Check the scriptures. Be very careful as to what you hear. Be very careful as to how you hear. Because tomorrow morning, another fellow with five more PhDs will come and contradict everything that he said. And you will just go with that fellow. That is the reason why Paul will say in the book of Corinthians, he says, when I came to you, I did not come with excellency of speech, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of God, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. I came with conviction. I came with trembling. But you know why? I did not convince you with wisdom of words. No, 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 sir. No. 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 Look at what he says here. This one. Have any authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? Have they believed? But the crowd? Who cares about the crowd? What do they know about God? Unless they know one thing. I know one thing. If you think that you are wise in the things of this world, what should you become first? Fool. <laughs> you should become a fool so that you should be made wise. But this crowd, this crowd, I mean, let me tell you something. Will you get convicted if a simple believer comes and rebukes you in the church? Who's a nobody? Oh, I have to hear it only from Pastor James and Sister Elsa, you see. Who are you? You don't know anything. You think people are not like that? Several examples, I'll show you one scripture. 
This is John's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 24. The guy was born blind. Now he can see. These guys have seen the miracle. Boy. And now they don't want to believe. Look at what he says. 24 onwards. John's Gospel, chapter 9. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. (laughs) We know that this man is a sinner. We already made a decision, please. You better adhere to what we say. We already know. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I know. (laughs) I was blind, now I see. That's exactly what I want also in the church, no? Even in our own lives, one brother comes and says, Vijay, this is what you did. You are going to tell me, you are a sinner. No, no, no. Whether you are a sinner, I don't know. I was blind, but now I see. Will that be your attitude? And then they said, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes again and again? They are asking the same question. He answered, I have told you already. And you would not listen to me. Why? Do you want it here? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? You see, this, this, this conflict in their hearts. Come on, uh, you want to become a disciple? He is taunting them, guys. And I'm telling you, so many brothers who are young in the Lord will taunt you with their life. They will taunt you. If you're a compromiser, they will taunt you with their life. And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he has come from. The man answered, why? (laughs) This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he has opened my eyes. Boy, this is a miracle. And you can't even see it because of your prejudice. You are absolutely blinded because of your prejudice. You do not want to hear from a carpenter. You see, that's what I said. I I like the reason why I I like the way Eric introduced me. He said, don't listen to me because he's a PhD. And after that, I really got fired up. I said, that is introduction, man. This is what I want. Because if people believe that me because of my background and not because of what God has done in my life, then their wisdom, their faith is in the wisdom of man. And in my, my life, on my belief, and tomorrow I can just go and say something absolutely contradictory to the word of God. What will happen to your faith then? Oh, Vijay did it. Vijay did it. He's got a PhD. And that's exactly what happens. One brother who's plain, simple, will come and give you a fired up message, you'll be convicted and you will search for a PhD in theology for a counter argument so that you don't have to change your lifestyle. But this guy's got a PhD. I remember my, my father-in-law telling me some time back, he went to Andhra Christian Theological Seminary. Sorry, Gultis, but this is true. He went there. He took an entire volume on the commentary of, of uh, Old Testament and New Testament by Warren Wiersbe. And he said, Principal, you need to have this in your library. The principal said, oh, Warren Wiersbe? Is he a doctor? No, 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 no. He's not a doctor. Oh, uh, no, no. We need at least a PhD in theology for his commentary to be there in our library. Really? Let me read your 
exposition. You have no clue the what guy this what this guy has written. Oh boy, why this is amazing. You do not know when he has come from, where he has come from, and yet he has opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshipper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Simple, no? No complicated faith. If I am a worshipper of God, if I am true with God, what will God do? He will listen to me. <laughs> For that, you need to have a PhD to tell that for somebody. We know that God does not listen to sinners. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man who was born blind. Has it happened? No. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Nothing. They answered, you are born in utter sin. Would you teach us? And they cast him out. What do you say? The religious unbeliever? How people just shut their ears to the truth because they are this, the stumbling block is the background of the person. <laughs> oh boy, that is interesting. <laughs> you don't, you want somebody with a background to authenticate truth, boy. Come on. Truth is truth. It has to stand by itself. Doesn't matter who the vessel is. That is a religious unbeliever. You no, know, you if you were studying the book of Isaiah, I'll just give you a small example, okay? Just to see what 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 this incredible arguments of higher criticism, lower criticism, Deuter Isaiah theory. Oh, there's a theory called the Deuter Isaiah theory. You know what the Deuter Isaiah theory is? Isaiah, interestingly, is has how many chapters? Sixty-six chapters. You know where the chapter demarcations are? Chapter demarcations from chapter narrative from chapter 1 to chapter 39 is almost equivalent to the Old Testament narrative. Chapters 40 to chapter 66, it is absolutely, there's a shift of gear. There's a shift in the narrative. Absolute shift. You'll say, Baba, the same Isaiah who's talking about judgment is all of a sudden talking about the servant of the Lord and this grace, the comfort, etc., etc. Surely, there are two authors. Okay? That is what exactly what people with a PhD will tell you. Okay, let's listen to a carpenter now. Okay? Carpenter will tell you something very interesting. This is John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 37. <clears throat> when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. And though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe him. So the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Where did he speak this? Lord, who has believed our report? This is Isaiah 40. Who has believed our report, Lord? Who has believed what, what he has heard from us and who has, whom and, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. Why? Because the, who said? The same Isaiah who wrote chapter 40. This is a commentary by a carpenter, okay? So let him not fool you. This is not a guy with a PhD here. The same Isaiah said he has blinded their eyes. And harden their heart. Lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and he would heal them. Where is this written? Isaiah chapter 6. And both written by the same? Isaiah. Who said that? The one who actually inspired Isaiah. A carpenter. Oh no, 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 no. We have tutor Isaiah theories now. Upper criticism, lower criticism, all kinds of criticism. 
everybody with a PhD and the more the number of degrees he's got, the more insecure he is. Just to prove to you, oh, this is two Isaiah's. Two Isaiah theory. Yeah, the, the real reason here is this though. Isaiah said these things because he saw the glory and spoke of it. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed. They started believing now. The chief priests and the Pharisees started believing. They said, boy, this is true. This can't, this is incredible. But you know what happened? But for the fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. You know, so that they could, so that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man and not the glory that comes from God. They love the opinion and the praise of men rather than the praise of God. And that is the reason why, you know, what it says in Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12, those who compare themselves with themselves, we need to have a pure group, brother. You write your paper and we will review it. Compare themselves. You know what God says? Those who compare themselves with themselves are fools. That is the religious unbeliever. And there is another unbeliever. We call him the secret unbeliever. Not a believer, okay? There are no secret believers. I'm not talking about uh, people in from 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 uh, persecuted nations where they have to maintain anonymity. Please don't misunderstand. This is not this is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who fear something. This is a secret unbeliever. Nicodemus, who had gone from him, gone to him before, and who was one of them, said to him, does our Lord judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? This is not faith. This is fairness. This is not faith. All you need is a good education to be fair. There you, they replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. It's, it's, it's interesting, you know. Just before I was going to Jamshedpur, I went to a to a gift store. I just wanted to wrap a gift. Wrap a gift. So I, I just went to the gift store. And you have a lot of secret unbelievers who are PRs for Christianity. Public relations officers. PROs. Okay, so uh, this lady was sitting at the counter and uh, she had a helper. And we both were discussing Trump is going to come and the Christians are going to rule. And you know what the Australian Prime Minister has already said? Those people who immigrate to our country should adhere by the Christian laws. Oh, great. This is how it has to be. And she looked at me. I looked at her. I said, Sister, you're, you're a believer? Uh, she said, yeah. I said, are you a Catholic? Yes, I'm a Catholic. But I took baptism without telling my church. I said, okay. You're a believer, you said. But what are these idols doing over here? Ganesh. Uh, something, 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 something. Everybody's there. Uh, no, no, brother. That is only for, uh, you know, customers will come. That is only for business, no. Please pray for me. Okay, I said, I'll pray for you. But I couldn't care less what you think, what my prayer is over. So I prayed. Lord. Convict this lady. Secret admiring believers. Unbelievers. They're not believers. Are you from Galilee too? 
search the and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Why? What? What does this kind of a believer signify, brothers? What does this kind of a believer signify? Too much is at stake. This is the same Nicodemus who goes to Jesus in the, in the night and he says, Rabbi, you came from God, we know. Jesus will say, unless you are born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot even enter in the kingdom of God. And he says, what are you saying? I want to be, I should be born again. What do you mean? All these years of my religion, you're saying it is zero that I have to start all over again afresh. No, sir. Too much is at stake. No. Too much is at stake. All that I believed all these years. First Peter chapter 4, you don't have to go there. It says that time is enough that you spend in sin. That's what Peter will say. How long the time is? If you're seven years old, it is sufficient that you have spent seven years of your life in sin. If you're 30 years old and you repented, it is sufficient that you have spent 30 years of your life in sin. If you're 60 years old and you have repented, it is sufficient for 60 years of your life you have lived in sin. You have to start all over again. You have to start afresh. That is the reason why it is called manfirao from acts that have led to death. Dead works, repentance from dead works. All that you have done. But boy, too much is at stake. I've invested all my life into this and you're telling me that this all is not valid. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't want to change the truth for you. This is true, even in my own life. I look at young believers like brother Eric and young believers who come to the mission field and I look at them and they say, Lord, this is not fair, Lord. They have used, they are using the best of their lives and I have to wait 35 years of my life to become, to come into the mission field. What is this, Lord? You know why? For me, too much was at stake. Brothers, don't ever think, too much is at stake. Do you think all this intelligence God has given me? Do you want me to use it for the glory of God? Come off it now. Something I need to do for myself in this world. Something. You want me to start all over again? Oh yes. But let me tell you. It's worth it. It's worth it brothers. It doesn't matter when you start. All the years the locusts have eaten, the Lord is able to restore. You can finish God's work in three years of your time and you can rest with your forefathers. You can. If you believe. If you believe. Is too much at stake for you? Look at this man. One guy who was one of the richest people in the New Testament. One of the most influential guys. most The brilliant mind that has ever lived and you have to read the book of Romans to understand his study of logic and his understanding of logic. This is Apostle Paul himself. This is from Philippians chapter 3 verse 4 onwards. This is what he has to say. Though I myself have a reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I am more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to a law, a Pharisee, zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. (laughs) Really? Really? Will you do that? Will you do that? Or is it too much at stake for you? 
Too much. I know some people here. In your heart there is a sangharsh that is going on. Lord, too much, Lord, too much. You're asking too much, Lord. Too much is at stake. I'm telling you, you surrender that life to the Lord. There is not going to be too much anymore. You will say, Lord, too little, too little, too little. Your perspectives will change. Too much is at stake. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. But this does not happen in a day. But you start experiencing God more and more. You will know, Lord, the more I spend my time with you, the more I think that I've wasted my life, the rest of my life for you, Lord, for you, Lord, for you, Lord, for you, Lord, for you. You want to gain Christ, it will cost you everything. Otherwise, you'll be a secret unbeliever who says, too much is at stake. Too much is at stake. Finally, they went each to his own house. How are you going to go back home today? Brothers, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Are you going to go to that place and say, Lord, this is it, Lord. I believe. Help my unbelief. Believe. I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. Help me, Lord. Help me. Help me, Lord. Nothing is too big for you, Lord. Nothing is too small for you, Lord. I want to challenge young mothers, young brothers, young sisters, youngsters, teenagers today, this morning. Young mothers who, who are scared of releasing their children. Want to put a protective environment. Release them into the mission field. Tell them, Lord, this is what it is. This is what Papa is going to do. This is what Mama is going to do. We are absolutely fired up for God. This is where our priorities will lie. We are not going to camouflage and cocoon our children in a, in a protective environment when we know that one day all these things are just going to vapor out. The world and its fashions are passing away. But he, he who does the will of God abides forever. You want to finish the will of God this morning? Or do you have unbelief? There's a struggle going on in your heart. They're saying, Lord, this is too much, too much at stake, Lord. Too much is at stake. Oh boy, Lord, you're telling me, Lord, that, you know, some people have a very convoluted idea about God. Why should I surrender my marriage to the Lord? Oh, if I surrender my marriage to the Lord, the Lord will go and give me some fellow who's useless. Oh, uh, well, no job, things are, he's a pastor. Who told you all that nonsense? Who told you that? Who told you? I will not think like that for my children. You think Heavenly Father will think like that for you? What, what are you talking about? What do you make God of? He himself said, I have plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future and expected and you think that he's going to give you some nutcase as a husband? Do you think that's going to happen? What are you talking about? We are fools. We have a, absolutely a convoluted idea about God because we have literally consumed a bag of lies, brothers and sisters. We have consumed it. We have just not eaten it. We have just consumed it. And we don't have a perspective about God, which is according to the scripture. What do you think? Oh, uh, Lord, uh, if I don't want a big salary, what do you mean you don't want a big salary? You want to what? Chota mota salary? No, what, what are you trying to do? If I, being an evil father, want my children to be financially secure, do you think my heavenly father doesn't want you to have a good job? What are you talking about? Who told you about these ideas? 
Who told you? Oh, if I get more money, maybe I'll become a slave to money. Nonsense. Why don't you want to think the other way? If I get more money, I will release more money for the kingdom of God. Why do you want to think that way? Why do you want to have this, this convoluted and a narrow opinion about God and you want to force that on God and say, I'm not like that Baba. What are you talking about? He said, I'll give you pastors after my own heart. He gave, he said that. Boy, in our church, we had a pastor after his own heart. Do you know that? I mean, I'm going to the mission field and I see the fruit. The fruit. And I see my perspectives have changed because I've seen, I've seen this is real, man. This is it. This is worth it. This is worth it. This is what it is. This is to live for God. This is what matters ultimately. What do you think? You have, all of us have a misunderstanding, absolutely an idiotic understanding of God, who God really is. Do you think God is going to choose the worst guy for you? <laughs> oh, no way. You don't know God. You're scared. But you have your own ideas for sure in your own heart. You need to check your own heart though first. Too much is at stake for you. This morning I just want to encourage you, brothers and sisters. There's unbelief in all of us. Unbelief is simply this. This is what God is. This is what you, this is what you don't believe about God. That is unbelief. It doesn't matter how many theological seminars you've attended and how many messages have you listened to. If you do not understand who God really is in the, in the light of scripture, then you have unbelief. You have unbelief. This morning, just let's examine our hearts for a few minutes and say, Lord, Speak to me, Lord. Forgive me if I've swallowed a bag of lies. Father, you said, O oh Lord, you have plans to prosper us, to not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future and an expected end, O oh Lord. Forgive us if you have shortened your hand in our lives because of our unbelief. It is our unbelief, it is our iniquities which have, which have restrained you from working in our lives, O oh Lord. Forgive us, O Lord. Forgive us for limiting you in our lives. Touch each one of us. Let faith arise. Let faith arise, O Lord. Let us not be fearful, O Lord. Let there be fearlessness that comes from me in each one of our hearts. Let it be, let us be risk takers for God, O Lord Jesus, this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Touch each one of us. Father, let all the lies that have been, that we have swallowed, O Lord Jesus, let them be removed and be rooted out in the name of Jesus. And let all those lies be replaced by the truth of the word of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Anoint us this morning that we will abide in the truth that you have taught us and we will not stray away from it. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. And let new convictions arise in our hearts. Let us go. Let us not go back home. Let us go to the mountain and spend time with the Lord and let Him deal with our hearts. To that end, we bless your name this morning and I bless all of us in your name. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.